Hello, hello. It's great to see you and welcome back to another installment of Modern Wealth Management. I'm your host and moderator, Ryan Ruff. We've got Derek Hutchins on the line standing by. He'll be joining me momentarily. But look, first and foremost, a few housekeeping items. We want to thank you guys, the audience, for joining us today. Maybe you're on YouTube checking us out or a podcasting platform after the fact. Love to have you with us today for the conversation. But if you are with us live this morning on the Facebook live stream, Obviously, we want to welcome you in, say thanks again for tuning in, but also if you want to leave a question or a comment regarding the topic at hand today for Derek and I, we'd love to take some time at the end of the episode to try and dive into that, uh, answer some of your questions, or, or even just address some comments that you may have. We'd also love to hear where you're, uh, where you're checking us out from. Uh, but with that, let's get into the topic at hand today. So as you know, Derek and I, we cover a different wealth management related topic each episode. Today, we're taking a unique approach towards trusts. You know, the, the big question and the topic at hand today is, do you have a trust? Well, you might want to consider a trust protector. So luckily, we've got Derek Hutchins, who's not only well-versed in this space, but may have something to say about doing it himself. Uh, so we're going to bring Derek aboard here to get the conversation going. So Derek, how are you doing this morning? Good to see you. Um, do, yeah, I'm doing great. And, and I, uh, being a trustee myself uh, on my sister's trust, I certainly will have a lot to add <laughs> to this uh this conversation. Sure. And I would imagine no emotion is going to be behind it as well, right? <laughs> well, I think that I think that that's one of the I think that's one of the things that I want to talk about is sure. because uh, when you are a trustee, there there naturally is a lot of emotion mm -hmm. that's involved. Uh, sure. in, unless, of course, you're a, a corporate trustee, then. Um, and <laughs> so that's a, that's a different situation. Sure. Well, Derek, let's get our conversation rolling then. But I mean, just high level overview, you know, typically when somebody has a trust, right, it's overseen by a trustee. But the big question that we want to hit on today is who's keeping an eye on the trustee, you know, making sure that their yeah. job is being done to the fullest. So for our audience, why don't you give us that high level overview of just what is a trust really for those that aren't really privy to it, but also right. where this idea of a trust protector comes into play. Okay, so when you think about a trust, um, trusts are really designed to for two different purposes. The first purpose is is um, it says who does your money, who does this money go to, and it lays that out very very clearly, more clearly than a traditional will or beneficiaries written into a you know, into an account like an IRA or life insurance, a trust uh, is a legal structure that says exactly who who is this money going to? And then the second part of it uh, that really differentiates a trust from these other these other options is it says, how is it going to go to them? You know, if um, if you just want to dump all of your your money, onto an individual or an institution when you pass away and you don't care how they get it, a trust actually may not be, it may not be required. Um, a trust do a great job of, of saying, hey, this is who gets it and this is how I want them to get it, you know, in, in, in equal payments or spread out over time or as needed. Um, it's your opportunity uh, when you do a trust to really to really lay out all of those different details. And that's what differentiates it from some of the other options that we have to transfer assets at our at our death. Now, a trust has a couple different components. There is the grantor, 
And that's the individual who is is putting the money into the trust. There is the beneficiary, and the beneficiary is the person for who receives money from the trust. And then there is the third uh, the third person on this, which is the trustee, and that is um, that's kind of the caretaker of the money that while it's in the trust. The trustee uh, should be very uh, versed in the trust language and how the beneficiary should get the money, um, as well as versed in what are we supposed to do with this money while it's in the trust. Most of the time we like to keep it invested uh, so that it can grow over time. And so it's the trustee's responsibility to, to administer all this, grow it over time, make good investment decisions, and then get it ultimately to the beneficiary as dictated by the trust. Now, you know, just in me explaining this, Ryan, you can see that there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's, Absolutely. there's, and so, um, you know, I don't think that very many people understand the complexities of being a trustee until they're actually a trustee. I don't personally know of any individuals who have been the trustee of more than one trust. Mm -hmm. I'm currently the trustee of my sister's trust. Certainly the first time I have ever done that. And um, I'll tell you what, the the level of respect I have for professional trustees has certainly gone up. Mm -hmm. Now, we're here today to not only talk about trust, but specifically trust protectors. And a trust protector is somebody that can kind of overlook the trustee, kind of look over their shoulder, and uh, they really perform two different two different duties. The first thing they do is uh, is make sure that the trustee is doing what they're supposed to be doing. Okay, sure. there is some specific language, and I think most trustees uh, do do what they can uh, to the best of their ability. But just like in anything else, of course, there's going to be a couple bad actors. So the trust protector is really there to look over the shoulder of the trustee and just make sure that they truly are doing uh, what they're supposed to be doing from a fiduciary standpoint. The second part of it, though, is a lot of these trusts are are written for, you know, long periods after the grantor dies. Okay, Mm -hmm. we worked on one the other day that. Um, it's, you know, it, it could last, you know, it could easily last 30 years. Okay. Well, if you, you know, with, with all the tax law changes and estate planning law changes and everything that is in place, it would, uh, you know, it would, it would make sense that somewhere along the way that tax, that some laws or some tax law changes might, might happen. And the trust protector typically has the opportunity to amend the trust so that it is congruent with current laws and the grantor's wishes. And so as those things change, the trust protector not only oversees the trustee, Mm -hmm. but also the trust to make sure that it's still, I'd say, current in achieving the goals that were originally set out. So that's a long it's a long explanation, but I think that from that we should now have an idea of 
what everybody's responsibility is. Sure. No. And I appreciate you laying that framework because yeah, in so many ways, shapes and forms there, there is a lot of responsibility on a trustee's shoulder. So to have that trust protector is that safety net that catch all to make sure really the duties are being executed to the fullest and obviously with the best intent in mind for the individual um, or for the, the grantor that is. So yeah. let me ask you this in your dealings, you know, Derek, whether personally or, or just in, you know, being exposed to this world, just through wealth management as a whole, do you find that grantors and their families, do you find that they ever realize that they, they themselves need to make sure that they are on guard for this risk that could arise during this process? You know, is that something that is even at the front of their minds that they should have a trust protector to make sure things are going the right way? Yeah, I would say, uh, well, I would say naturally they don't, you know, I personally never saw the term trust protector written into documents until the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they, it, it may have well been in effect in, uh, you know, before then, but I just personally hadn't, hadn't seen it. I think that typically when a grantor is picking a trustee, it's typically somebody that they trust, hence the name. Sure. Okay. And so they're not thinking about, um, any conflicts of interest or, um, or even really the trustees or, or this individual's ability to be a trustee. You know, a lot of times uh, we pick people that, you know, we, we feel have super high integrity to be the trustee. And sometimes um, just having high integrity isn't enough. There's also, you know, there's a lot of knowledge that has to, that you have to have as well as the ability to dedicate some time to it. I personally have found out recently how both time consuming and emotional being a trustee can be. And I will tell you that there, uh, that not everybody is, is suited for that. So a trust protector, uh, put in place can again, look over the shoulder, not only for integrity issues, but also for ability issues. And if there is, is something amiss, then they have the ability to to make some changes. Sure. So, Derek, moving on here to kind of my our, our fourth question, if you will, what else should someone be on the lookout for when it comes to these trustees? Specifically, this idea that you know a trustee can generate fees that are then paid out by the trust. Talk to me a little bit about this and why this can you know lend itself to a little bit of a sticky situation in some instances if you don't have a trust protector, I guess. Yeah. So, okay. Um, first of all, you know, taking the role of a trustee of a trust, it is, uh, it, it's a pretty high responsibility for which absolutely should be compensated. I'm going to say that. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, if you, if you go to a, a bank or something like that and you, you talk with their trust department, you know, they may charge somewhere between one to 2% on an annual basis just to administer the trust as a trustee. So, um, so first, you know, I, I want to say that there's nothing wrong with a trustee being compensated for the work that they're doing. Sure. There's, there's a lot that goes, that, that goes in, like I said, not only, um, not only technically, but also emotionally. What you have to be 
uh, cognizant about, though, is making sure that the trustee is not benefiting from the trust up and above those reasonable those reasonable fees that, that reasonable compensation for the work that they're doing mm -hmm. this is where you get into that integrity issue and you mentioned um, you know generating additional fees and and you know it's not very often that we see like hey a trustee runs off with a million bucks out of, of an account and they end up in you know some uh some some other country that that we don't see that very often more often than not what we see is that they you know if there's an integrity issue there's some side deals being made uh maybe you know they've uh, they're getting a kickback from the investment advisory fees or getting a kickback from some of the legal fees uh, sometimes issues that they're actually creating themselves just to generate this revenue um, again, not something that we see very often and something we almost never see if there's a trust protector in place overseeing uh, the entire situation. Roger that. And, and Derek, to kind of get into the weeds of this a little bit in terms of the, the actual work that the trust protector is doing, walk us through how a trust protector kind of, you know, really is there to, to make sure that trustee is a true fiduciary, um, you know, in every sense of the word. Okay. So first of all, you know, I use the term, you know, the, the kind of the phrase look over their shoulder. And, and in my mind, that's actually what happens is that periodically the trust protector comes in, you know, looks over the shoulder of the trustee, looks at the decisions that are being made, uh, not only from an investment standpoint, but also um, from a relationship standpoint and how they are getting along and communicating with the beneficiary. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I would say oftentimes if there's a problem, it's pretty glaring. Okay. Uh, but other times, depending upon the complexity of the trust, it may be prudent to do what we call a stress test on the trust and the investments that are inside the trust. Let me talk about that. Mm -hmm. First of all is, is that trust, uh, you know, trust typically were written with some type of intent. There was a reason that they were put into place. And so the first stress test that you have to make sure of is that with uh, the current laws and the current, uh, you know, the, the tax law environment that we're in is the intent of the trust still holding true. Okay. Are we sure. still, you know, it, you know, if, if laws change, uh, and make the trust inadequate or no longer necessary, well, that's, that would be a failed stress test. If it's no longer doing what it's supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, just making sure that, hey, you know, it was intended to do X, Y, and Z, and it still is doing X, Y, Z. If it's not, a trust protector has every right and ability to get in there and make some changes to right those wrongs. Mm -hmm. The second thing that you, that you might want to stress test is the investment program that's inside of the trust. Uh, the investments are extremely important as they grow and protect 
this trust money in prolonging this into the future to accomplish everything that the trust is supposed to do. Well, you know, I've been doing this investment advisory work for about the last 22 years. And I'll tell you, Ryan, um, it changes a lot. Yeah. You know, things today are, they're a lot better than they were 20 years ago. The investment business is cleaner. It's got lower fees. It's got better access, uh, more transparency. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not, if you're not constantly taking a look at the investments inside this trust, and let's just say you were still in the very expensive mutual funds that, that, that maybe you bought into 20 years ago, well, you're not getting best of breed. You're not getting the best solutions that are currently available in this market. Mm-hmm. So I would say that, uh, you know, stress testing and taking a look uh, at at not only the integrity of the trust to make sure that it's doing what it's supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. uh, and then also the investments to make sure that you're getting best in class. I'd say those are two of the most the most important things that a trust protector could be doing. Roger that. And so in a nutshell, really, let's say, you know, a little hypothetical situation here, a trust protector recognizes that a trustee is not getting it done. You know, they're not acting in the best interests of the, you know, the grantor for that family. What Mm -hmm. can they do? What actions can they take? Well, trust protectors should only have the ability, um, as it relates to the trustee, they should have only the ability to, to fire and hire a new trustee. What they don't have the power to do is to appoint themselves as the new trustee. That's a conflict of interest. Uh, So typically, if they look over the shoulder and they say, hey, uh, there's some issues here, clearly they can talk to the trustee about Mm -hmm. it and see whether or not they can get on the same page. If it's an integrity issue, well, that's pretty easy. That's just you fire the trustee, and oftentimes, whoever's the successor trustee, this is somebody that was written in by the grantor, and they said, hey, if if this person can no longer fulfill their duties, then I want it to go to this other person. Mm-hmm. Um, so that successor it typically would become the new trustee. But yeah, so typically the the powers of a trust protector are fairly limited as it relates to um, only the the firing and then the hiring of a new trustee. The other thing that can be written in, and I definitely suggest this, is is that they have the ability to amend the trust over time to keep it consistent with the wishes of the the grantor or the reason that the trust was originally written. Since I've been uh, practicing um, wealth management over the last 20 plus years, I've seen tax laws change, I think, seven different times. <laughs> and so, you know, if you just have a very stagnant trust that was written 20 years ago, it may no longer be, uh, it, it, may no, it may not work anymore. So that's, mm-hmm. again, where somebody as a trust protector can come in and, and say, hey, you know, the original intention of this trust was was to do this. And so let's get it back to doing just that. 
Well, Derek, if anybody's in our audience, you know, listening to this, they're probably thinking, hey, the trust protector sounds like a, a slam dunk. It sounds like a must to have in any given situation, just if anything, to shore up the ship to make sure that best practices are in place. So that being said, how would somebody go about hiring a trust protector? Where do they begin to look? How does that process start? A trust protector should be somebody that has a couple different attributes. The first one should be that they should uh, have some kind of technical expertise in the ability to actually look at these things. Um, then, then the second part of that is, is that they have to be somebody that you trust in order to, uh, to fulfill their, their duties. Um, you know, really a trust protector can can be anybody. It can be any, any, it can be a family member. It can be a friend, but more often than not, we see trust protectors being professionals such as lawyers, accountants, wealth managers, and so on. Roger that. So Derek, ultimately kind of some summarize the, our conversation for us today, bottom line it for us, what should one expect and what should one not expect from the trust protector and what that role looks like to help them through this process? Uh, they should expect somebody that gives oversight to the trust as a whole. Um, they should not expect somebody that is constantly in the weeds and in the way of the relationship between the trustee and the beneficiary. That's not the way this is designed. Mm -hmm. The trust protector is just intended to look over the shoulder on a periodic basis of the trustee and 99 times out of 100, everything's gonna be just fine and you acknowledge that, but in the case that something's amiss, they're kind of your last line of defense because keep in mind, as grantor, you're probably, you're not with us anymore. You're probably dead. Mm -hmm. So this is the person who's your last line of defense to make sure that the wishes that you expressed in your trust are actually fulfilled. Roger that. Well, Derek, look, really appreciate your time this morning, kind of walking us through that. I know, obviously, you being the you know trustee on your your sister's trust, obviously, we get that mm. inside scoop, if you will. So I appreciate you sharing some of your you know personal experiences on that front, as well as just kind of the oversight that you see throughout your you know your day to day operations as a wealth manager. So appreciate your insight today, and hey, man, looking forward to the next episode already. Yeah, me too. You know, if I could leave the audience with any one thing, I would say. You need to pick. Uh, you need to pick people very carefully when you're designing your trust. Um, and I'm not talking about. Um, I'm not talking so much about hey that somebody's going to uh, break your trust or or do something purposeful mm -hmm. against you or your beneficiary. That's not what I mean. More often than not, what I see is, is that even from my own experience is that trustees rarely understand what they're getting themselves into. Mm -hmm. uh, typically, people are putting together a trust to really protect their beneficiaries. And there's a reason that those beneficiaries need protection. Sure. And that and that need puts them oftentimes at direct odds against that trustee. So again, it can not only be uh, intellectually and technically difficult, 
it it can be very emotional also. And so when you're picking a trustee, you want to make sure you have that conversation with them and talk to them about some of the conflict that may arise from the structure you're putting together. I love that. Well, Derek, thanks again. Once more, appreciate your kind of peeling back the curtain, giving us your take on, on this whole thing. And, um, you know, like I said, I'm excited for the next topic. I think we got a good one teed up uh, for our next live stream next month. But thanks, Derek. Appreciate it. Thank you. And look, hey, we want to take one more moment to thank you guys, our audience, for joining us here on the Facebook live stream or after the fact. We appreciate you. If you liked what you saw, you liked the conversation today, please feel free to like the show, comment, subscribe to the show, share this information with friends and family. Because at the end of the day, Derek and I are here to have conversations like this that ultimately benefit you and help put you you know, on that path, that mindset towards overall modern wealth management. That's why we're here. That's what this show's about. So for Mr. Derek Hutchins, I'm Ryan Ruff saying so long, and we thank you so much for joining us on today's edition of Modern Wealth Management.